Let's go back to the time when we learned what it was like to be a principal. Welcome to the time when I'm your host, Chris McLean. This time of year is back to school time. And in today's episode, I am talking to Principal Mark Pruitt about how he got into education and what it is like being a principal, especially during these challenging times with COVID. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our show and make sure to check out our website, thetimewin.net, for more information on each episode, as well as information on our monthly book club. Hello, everyone. Today we are here with Principal Mark Pruitt to get an inside look at what it's like to be a principal, and especially now during these challenging times with COVID. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Chris. I'm excited to be here. Uh, this is a uh, new experience for me. I'm a little bit nervous about it, but I'm excited <laughs> to uh, be a part of your exciting and popular program. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, so you grew up in the community that you've served as an educator in. Uh, tell us a little bit about your story, your gr growing up, about your background. Oh, man, well, I'm right here, you know, I've been here a comrade for 13 years and uh, I, I'm really, I grew up right in the community where Conrad is now, a lot of our students are now, and, and certainly where the original Conrad high school and middle school were. Um, I'm, I grew up in Ellesmere, uh, both my mom and dad are local. My dad grew up in Richardson Park, a walking distance of Conrad. Uh, my mom grew up in Ellesmere, I was born, uh, you know, in Ellesmere and bounced around a couple places, uh, the Manchester apartments uh, right between uh, Ellesmere on the way to uh, Wilmington Charter School and Cab Calloway School, moved to Linden Avenue in Ellesmere, um, spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house growing up. Uh, my family had that house in Rosemont uh, until uh, we're getting ready to sell it now. My grandmother actually just passed away. It was a house where I visited, uh, got coffee in the morning on my way to Conrad. Um, eventually my parents moved down uh, to Dunlinden Acres, which is a uh, little uh, uh, little ranch houses down right across uh, Duncan Road, um, mm -hmm. right across like Duncan Road and Kirkwood Highway. Right yeah. there, they're small, yep. And, and so uh, ended up going to McCain High School, but uh, always connected, always played sports, always ran around in Ellesmere. Uh, spent a lot of time at Ballone Park. Uh, that Wawa there in Ellesmere was one of the first Wawa's, I think, in Delaware. I think it actually was one of the very first. So I can actually oh, – really? I think I was like maybe a kid. Yeah, that Wawa is way older than any <laughs> other Wawa that, that we go to now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, can, I used to play basketball all the time um, right across the street from the original Casapulas. We used to hmm. play basketball there. and if we had a dollar fifty, you could get an iced tea and a you know, slice of pizza. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I've never been real far from where I work now. Yeah. Um, so, I, what what are some things that you noticed about the community? Like, how has it changed? How has it stayed the same? Uh, um, to me, it's the same. I will still cut through some areas. Uh, that, that, that I just associate with. I, I, I mentioned a couple of them, Richardson Park. Uh, you know, whenever, whenever I have to go somewhere, I'll always cut through an area that connects to me locally. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so 
to me, it hasn't changed a whole lot um, for me personally. Mm -hmm. But when I, when I see the community, the first thing I think about with change is the demographics uh, and, mm -hmm. and the demographics of the community. They've changed immensely. Um, mm -hmm. The house in Rosemont, um, you know, was, I, I don't remember anyone but a white person uh, living mm -hmm. in that neighborhood or anywhere around that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. There was a, um, there's an apartment complex next to that. But mm -hmm. now I certainly don't have the demographic breakdown on it. But yeah. my grandmother, until a few months ago, uh, lived in a very diverse community uh, there. Mm -hmm. So I would say that that was a that that that's been a significant change, a change for the better, a, ch a change in I think houses just continued to move away from the city over mm -hmm. time. I mean, going back to probably uh, you know the early the first half even of the uh, 20th century, and so houses get built, neighborhoods get built further and further away from the city of Wilmington and that changes demographics. Um, um, you know, when I think of the same, I feel like the schools um, have never really had a, I remember you and I driving up early at Conrad in, in the Conrad's history and watching a football game. Was that Morrisville yeah. High School mm -hmm. that we went to? And that school was like, that football field sat right in the middle of the town of Morrisville. Yeah. And I remember people like, walking to the game right like we mm -hmm. drove probably an hour and 45 minutes to get up there and um you know a really town type of school a lot of what you get in new jersey and pennsylvania i know that you grew up yeah in a town that was a lot more like that and, and so delaware schools really have never been like that i mean we have school choice now mm -hmm. that that you know really ha has made our schools not that way but even when i was a kid i mean there was just a, a lot of uh, private schools that caused a lot of, you know, you didn't go to the school with the same person necessarily. These yeah. segregation orders, uh, you know, had, had, had made it so that our communities came from different places to go to school. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in that way, it, that's not a change. So that, that, that's something that I've always been used to and I feel like it's been the same for 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. 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 I mean, I noticed that now, you know, moving like where we live now in Middletown, like, I mean, now there's more high schools coming about here, but it seemed like they have more of a community, like go to the games kind of kind of feeling here. They're more like than in Wilmington. Yeah, no, no question. And people say, oh, remember when McCain or Dickinson? And, and certainly it was a little more like that, mm -hmm. but it's not like it was never like Middletown was 30 or 40 years ago. It was yeah. never like Morrisville or, mm -hmm. or your hometown in New York. I mean, there yeah. was always uh, there was always uh, communities coming from different places. And, and so I associate with that and I've always liked that. Um, yeah. I feel like it brings people together in a different way. Mm -hmm. So how did you start your career in education? <laughs> uh, I graduated, I went to Westchester. Then I transferred back to Delaware. I got a degree in political science and a, um, a minor in United States in history, U.S. history, were the, the five or six courses I had that got the minor in that. Um, and I was sort of in an off year after I had graduated, wasn't sure what I wanted to do, was looking at law school. Maybe my grades were not quite as good as I could have <laughs> been to get into the law school I might have wanted to. Uh, was really where I had a lot of loans. I had a lot of debt from undergrad, uh, you know, so I was a little concerned with that. And I ran into um, 
Joe Monabel's dad at the <laughs> bank while I was home. <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, you'd make a good teacher and a good coach. Like, did you ever think about that? And uh, he called down. He had come in contact. I said, yeah, but the University of Delaware, they're making me get into this program and it'll take me two years to do it because they don't offer all the courses at the right time. He goes, mm-hmm. well, Wesley College, I just ran into this guy at a PD or something. You know, he, Mr. Montebell, like, uh, just like Joe, Mr. Montebell, yeah. social studies teachers. He said, I ran into a guy that's starting social studies education at Wesley College and they're looking for to get some students in to get started because it's wow. a small school. And uh, so his name was Dr. Sturgis. He got down there. He took care of me. He got hmm. me uh, the courses I needed very quickly. Uh, took me about a year. And I uh, got the education courses and the student teaching I needed to be a uh, certified teacher. And wow. so there it was. I ran into uh, Mr. Montebell's dad, Mr. Montebell. Took his advice, started coaching a little bit, subbing a little bit while I was uh, taking those courses, and uh, ended up getting a job at McCain. Uh, we fought next door to uh, uh, Jim Montebell, Mr. Monty, Mr. Montebell's dad. And so he was your teacher in high school, and that's how like you knew him when you ran into him. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a teacher. He was a coach. He was a assistant football coach. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, had been you know it was like uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. McCain in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I went back and I started sort of as a, um, like a daily sub and then a long-term sub. And I became like an assistant basketball coach and assistant football, kind of made ends meet that way. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then had an opportunity to get a contract the following year and have been doing it, uh, been in uh, red clay and been in education ever since. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And so then how, how long was it until you, you moved into administration? I taught for 11 years at McCain, which mm-hmm. is still, and I think you know this, how I associate. <laughs> I mean, I'm a teacher. I, I, I've been doing administration longer now than, mm-hmm. I've been a, uh, than I've been a teacher. But being a teacher and a coach is, is still how, uh, you know, I associate or identify, identify might be a strong word, but uh, how I, I associate myself professionally. Uh, they were the best. I love Conrad. It's a real close call for me, but mm-hmm. there was a lot of great young teachers. There was a lot of retirees at the time. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people, we were in our early 20s. We were uh, teaching. We were coaching every season. We were covering dances. Uh, we were doing everything up there. We were hanging out socially. My I met my wife. My wife was an English teacher there. Um, and so uh, it was a big part of my life. And it was a tough decision to get into administration. I had been a stu- I had filled in as a student advisor mm-hmm. a couple of times over the years. Um, and uh, but then would always go back, like would always go back because I, you know, I just wasn't ready to stop teaching and coaching, uh, you know, so uh, that's it. I, it was a real tough call when I left for I left to become an assistant principal. They uh, called and asked me in November of whatever that was, 2005, 2005, um, and said uh, two weeks before Thanksgiving, do you want to be an assistant principal at AI starting the day after Thanksgiving break? Oh, wow. Basketball was getting ready to start. I had been running the, you know, weight room and preseason stuff. and Mm -hmm. uh, But uh, it was a good time to break. I mean, um, I knew that, that 
I knew that I could probably be pretty good at administration, at least mm-hmm. in my own eyes. Um, <laughs> and, um, so I took a shot and left and went over there and became sort of a, uh, you know, uh, an administrator, a supervisor mm-hmm. of a bunch of people that I didn't know. I didn't even have the beginning of the year to get yeah. to know them. Uh, and uh, I was there for two and a half years. So, so what was that like? Like you said, you didn't know them. You didn't get to know them in the beginning. Was, was that a difficult transition or? It was. I mean, AI at the time, um, I think, was had this status that it was the I don't, I don't know. Like they had had teachers that had been there a long time that it was a premier school and I was at McCain and it was, you know, uh, I didn't really buy into that, but I didn't want to be, I just went over there and I just worked, you know, like I, 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 I I did whatever teachers wanted to do. I tried to make their life easier. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried to be everywhere, get right back to people. Somebody had a question. I was there and I spent that whole first year just, making sure they knew that they weren't going to outwork me. Like I was there to help them and I was going to be there. And mm-hmm. I spent from November to June like that. And mm-hmm. I thought that that was really important because mm-hmm. I didn't have the opportunity. Like I'm jumping in in the beginning of the second marking period. Yeah. And so I thought it was a real important that I show what I could do rather than a, an email introducing myself or a PowerPoint or anything like that. Like just be a hustler that was always there making their life easier, making their job easier. Yeah, that's good. So, so what did you find are your, are your joys in, in being a principal? Hmm. Um, you know, I, I like, as a, I love being a teacher, but I always felt like I had a, a ceiling as a teacher. Like mm-hmm. I could plan a lesson, I could work hard, but my personality sort of put me at a ceiling as a, as a classroom teacher, which mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty good, but I knew there were people around me that were more naturally talented at mm-hmm. doing it. Um, and I felt like administration um, gave me probably where I fit in the best, which was putting those folks, identifying what that talent was, and then putting those folks and giving them everything they needed to be successful taking a lot of the administrative and things that come at you fast and furious, kind of breaking that down, giving it to them in chunks, leading them, uh, convincing them that, that, you know, if we were going to do something, it was worth doing and it was going to benefit our kids. Um, what was your question again? <laughs> Just what you enjoyed more about, or what are your joys of being a principal? I, I like, I like watching you work with, with students, right? In the classroom, on the basketball court, um, in the minority student union. And I like making sure that you can do that with as little obstacle as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, so I'm, I'm going to try to take as much of that away as I possibly can, right? Like I'm going to set the goals, set the agenda with some key players. And then after that, I just want to, I, I want to work to make sure that the people that do the work, the teachers that do the work, can execute that. And, um, I get a lot of joy out of that. I really, I really do. I mean, I like, I like watching teachers and, and kids interact. I, I like watching, you know, I like watching students learn and students be successful, but I also, I think equally, or maybe more so 
I like watching teachers be successful. And if I think teachers and coaches can be successful, then I know our students will be successful. And I still love it every day. I mean, I still love being in a building. Um, I've been here a long time now, you know, compared <laughs> with, you know to the to lifespan of a, of a building principal. Uh, I know principals get tired. Um, I'm not tired. Like, I really like it. This is the perfect job for me, and I love it. So you kind of like just setting things up and, and watching it go? Yeah. I mean, I, and then I like, I like being a part of it. You know, like I like being a part of the team. Uh, I like solving problems with teachers. I like poking into their classroom and say, Hey, I got this issue. How do you think we could solve this issue? Okay. That's a good, then I, you know, all right, that's great. I'm going to take that and, and, and see if we can implement that and make it work. Um, mm -hmm. I like the collaborative process of working with educators on behalf of students. I know you said you, you thought about being a lawyer after you graduated uh, college. So, you know, I guess reflecting back now, what are your thoughts? Do you think, are you happy with your choice to go into education or you think you, you could have been a lawyer? Huh. Um, I don't know if I, that was a long time ago. I mean, geez, you know, that was a long time <laughs> ago. I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, then, um, but I would not change it now. I've been blessed. I've had the best job, the best career. I've never worked a day in my life. When I hear, I feel like, uh, you know, when I hear people say teaching is a hard job, I mean, it must be for them because they don't enjoy it, right? Like, or mm -hmm. being a building level administrator is a hard job. Um, it's challenging, but mm -hmm. it's not hard. Like I, I, you know, this pandemic's been real, tough on me mm -hmm. um, because I like being in the building. You know, I, I, I it, there's something um, rewarding, soothing. I've wrote, I've noticed that I missed having to work from home. You know, I missed being in classrooms in hallways on athletic fields in gyms, mm -hmm. um, cafeterias. Um, I, I've never, I, I, I don't, I've never had a bad year where I, where I thought to myself like, boy, I, that I do the right thing. Never. Mm -hmm. hmm. I know you just mentioned, uh, you know, being a principal now during the pandemic. So, so tell us a little bit more about that. Like, what is it like being a principal during this pandemic? Well, it's like being a new principal, really. Huh. I feel the same way I did when I was a new assistant principal and mm -hmm. then a new principal at Conrad. Like you're, you're creating a lot of processes for the first time right? Like you're, you're setting up Zoom schedules, you're setting up, uh, you know, you're working with teacher leaders to develop <coughs> Schoology expectations, remote learning lesson plans, um, mm. communicating in a different way um, with students, with families. You know, a lot of my communication um, with teachers is in person. Like I don't, I, I if it, you know, teachers always laugh because I'll say, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. they'll send me a question and I'll say, you know, see me or I'll stop down. Um, that's not because I sense, I learned a few years ago that that, that like, well, like a scary thing to say, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, I'll say, see me or I'll stop down. But it really is because I think we, we miss the human element of direct communication, you know, when, when we're emailing back and forth or texting mm -hmm. back and forth. Um, and I feel like a conversation can be a lot more productive when, when it's in person, right? Like, um, yeah. 
we, before we started record on this video, we talked about you liking the zoom screens on because you can see facial expressions. You can mm -hmm. see you know, you, you, there's a lot to read into people uh, right. when, when you're there in close proximity with them. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's been the biggest challenge uh, of doing it. And, you know, I think um, another, you know, another challenge is, is equity. Uh, you know, the, the fact that, you know, we're going to start zoom classes here in a week and a half. Um, and, there's going to be some kids that have a, uh, a revved up Wi-Fi system with a booster on it. And mm -hmm. they've got a great video set up and a camera. And, uh, you know, some kids are going to use just their Chromebook. Some kids are going to uh, not have Wi-Fi, have Wi-Fi that's being overloaded. Um, mm -hmm. I think about younger kids, uh, you know, whose parents might be working, maybe, you know, not a comrade. I'm talking about elementary school and the difficulty in that. So there's a real equity problem when you're talking about uh, learning in a remote environment. And so that, 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 that's, that's the thing that concerns me the most and, and makes me realize that uh, as we're going to be as good as we can possibly be and we're going to com compete to be the very best remote learning school mm -hmm. in, uh, in red clay, state, nation, whatever. <laughs> but uh, that we, we are never going to, uh, in my mind, meet um, – the expectations and results that we've had when we're, when we're in person interacting with kids. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it's hard when you're, you know, not in person. Yeah. To, to even like build communities and things like that with the students. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, at least when we went remote in March, we, you all knew the kids, right? Like in exactly. so knew about them. I think that's that's going to be the biggest challenge here is getting to know these kids across the computer screen. That uh, you know, and then when you got thirty of them in front mm -hmm. of you, uh, you're the inability to maybe uh, grab a kid on the way out the door and ask them a question, how their day was. You know, all all those things are limited, and all those things matter a ton. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing that I have the biggest um, worry about, I guess. Um, you know, it's interesting that you said it's like being a new principal because I've heard a lot of teachers say the same thing. It's like, you know, being a new teacher, trying to figure out how to, you know, change what I used to do in the classroom and now do it virtually. Yeah, yeah. What's something that you would want parents to know about being a, a principal? Huh. Um, <laughs> well, A, that, that I love my job. A lot of principals say they feel lonely. I mean, you know, if you read about it, I've never felt that way. I've always felt a part of the team with teachers. I've always felt a part of the team with parents. My own son's been in the building for the last seven years. So uh, that's been a real special experience with me. But I would tell parents, teachers, students, that when you've been around as long as I have, eventually you do make difficult decisions, right? Easy decisions are easy. Easy decisions mm -hmm. means all of your constituents tend to be on one side of the issue. The issue makes sense, right? And so that's an easy decision. You make that decision and everybody goes, wow, he's great. Right. Um, but when you're dealing with, you know, the more difficult decision involves people on both sides of the issue, whether it be large groups or I'll give you an example a parent that may have a different uh, di a, a different opinion than a teacher on 
something that occurred with their student. You know, mm-hmm. we'll say a grade, uh, you know, a, a subjective grade. And, and the teacher feels like they should be supported this way, you know, with their decision. And the right. parent and student feel like they should be supported this way. Well, you know, they're both folks that you respect, but invariably you will continue to make difficult decisions. And difficult decisions means that you did not side with nearly half the people, whether that right. be two, one or not. And so, you know, you got to be yourself. You got to do what you think is right. You got to follow policy. You can only support what's supportable. But um, I just always hope that people take that into consideration Mm -hmm. when you're in a position where you're making a lot of decisions, because that's what a tough decision is, right? Mm -hmm. In in many cases, a tough decision is going to uh, divide two people. It's going to divide a thousand people. It's Mm -hmm. going to divide our staff's 80. 41 and 39, uh, you know, um, that's what difficult calls are. And so I do my best to be collaborative, involve people and avoid those situations where I'm the arbiter, the sole arbiter of a situation. Yeah. But sometimes you can't avoid it. And I, I hope people don't, uh, I hope people don't, I hope people understand that this situation that that sometimes puts a principal in. Do you think your coaching background has helped you with that? Cause I know like personally, that's something I talked to my teams about a lot like you know same thing like you know you make decisions sometimes like play time or whatever and you know that there's going to be people you know upset with you on the team and you know we kind of talk about that so do you think your coaching background helps you with that yeah yeah I do um I think that's a really good point um you know coaching is a you know, it, it really puts you in situations. Now it is perceived, it's not real, right? But when there's, there's 600, 800 people in our gym and, and they've all got, you know, they're, they're yelling and screaming. And <laughs> right. Playing time. I mean, there's this sense that this is life or death, right? Mm-hmm. We all know the next, the next week that, or the next year when you reflect on it, that it wasn't. But, <laughs> um, you know, you're making very quick decisions and, you know, you're trying to win you're trying to, what you're really trying to do is make decisions that show what is in the best interest of a group of people. But sometimes right. that impacts someone negatively, right? They, like right. they, they, they saw things differently. Um, I used to talk a lot about with, with a player, you know, the only thing different between you and I is that I have evaluated your skills in that situation differently than you've evaluated your skills in that situation mm-hmm. doesn't mean I don't like you um, but you know I love you you're great but you know when we got down to that last couple of minutes and I wasn't able to get you back in the game you know it's because we simply have a difference of opinion on your basketball acumen in that situation um, mm-hmm. but you know it's it's, yeah, it's a really good comparison yeah what about the students anything you would want the students to know about you being a principal um you know probably that i'm more approachable that i i feel like new students and students until they get a chance to meet me at a game right or i had a chance Mm -hmm. to get out and help you a little bit i feel like when people get when kids get to know me they see a totally different side of me that often they don't see in passing in a suit right Right. like Mm -hmm. um I feel like my personality 
comes through. It sounds like I'm like, I have a great personality. <laughs> can't find it. Uh, but, but it's hard. Like when you're an administrator and there's 1200 kids and uh, all of them want you to know their name and you don't know, you know, you don't know their name. Mm -hmm. um, that's tough. Right. And you're just saying, Hey, how you doing? How was your day? It's, it's just real topical. And they go, mm -hmm. Oh, this guy's a suit. He doesn't know me. So, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I'm always looking for ways and I, it's always really important to me when I'm at a basketball practice or I'm at a minority student union meeting or mm -hmm. I'm in a classroom and I can contribute. I give you those three examples because you've seen that. Mm -hmm. I think there's a different side of me that they, oh, he's, he's in it for us, right? Like he wants to, he wants to help us here uh, mm -hmm. because that's why I'm here. Well, I know in your uh, graduation speeches, you always um, include some things that like seniors have said in your in your speeches. Do you find that like yeah. to be important to you? The graduation speech? Yeah. Do you find it important to include like some things that the students say? Yeah, well, speeches? yes. So the third graduating class, this is sort of like taking a life of its own. Mm -hmm. I made the decision to, to use a couple of quotes our first year at the University of Delaware graduating at the Carpenter mm -hmm. Center. And I quoted, a, you know, I think maybe three or four kids this year. And the feed, the positive feedback <laughs> was through the roof. Uh, and, and so then I was like, oh, wow, this is really great. Like, because my job at that event is to present the class. Mm -hmm. And so how better to present the class than to share the student perspective on what they're, what they're, what they've learned, what their uh, experience have been like at Comrade, and so that's just sort of grown a life of its own. Every yeah. graduating class after that, now I'm reading through their senior speeches. I'm <laughs> interviewing kids. I'm finding data out about them, um, and uh, you know I'm always trying to find something new and unique about that speech, but ultimately it becomes, I think, a little easier. The family seem to like it. The teachers seem to like it. I know the students like it. And um, so I think that's important that, that, you know, student voice is something that's really important to me. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a way to exhibit that at that graduation, sort of their last opportunity. Yeah. I, uh, I, I know earlier you mentioned having your, your son in the building. And um, so, so what's that, been like as a as a dad to uh you know be a principal at a school where your son goes to it hasn't been a problem at all um i i will say i got a daughter that's two years older she's a <laughs> sophomore in college i'm i'm not saying it would have been a problem but they're <laughs> two different kids yeah and and so you know he he just wants to be independent in school um <laughs> you know certainly i communicate him if i need to uh you know, but I've done things on my own without even really, um, without even really anyone knowing. Like I never walk into a classroom that he's in. Mm -hmm. I have to do I have to do instructional walkthroughs. To me, he's going to be in one class out of out of probably fifty that are going on at any given time. Mm -hmm. I can always use one of the other forty nine. <laughs> uh, so I try to give him his space that way. Mm -hmm. um, I did get out there on the court and help you a little bit this winter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that was something that I asked him about and made sure that he was comfortable with. I did not want to uh, ruin his experience, uh, mm -hmm. you know, with having his dad, who's also the principal, who is now the basketball coach. Um, yeah. you know, he, so we had some conversations about that. And at least he told me that that was okay. And you know, <laughs> you know, I thought a lot about that. And mm -hmm. 
but he's I feel like he's a pretty confident guy, you know, mm-hmm. like and 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 the whatever the perception is that would make it difficult to be the principal's kid. I'm real proud of him. He's handled that well. Mm-hmm. Um and um I, 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 but I, I think different kids have different personalities and you have to know your kid. And even as a fifth grader applying mm-hmm. to sixth grade, I felt like that, that, that we could handle that together. Yeah. All right. Anything you would want teachers to know about being, a, about what it's like being a principal? Uh, I mean, I feel like I talked about that some, um, you know, I, I'm a teacher. You know, mm-hmm. I'm an educator, right? You know, like I, I want to be on the team. Like I want to be included. You know, I don't want it to be an us against them. Um, that takes some teachers a little more time to mm-hmm. maybe figure out about me. Maybe they hear that and they think that's not true. But my hope is that as many teachers as possible, and, and you know, the, the vast majority is my hope, believe that uh, I'm in it with them. I want to make their job easier. Um, I've been real fortunate with our teaching staff in that um, we've got really talented people. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't hire people lightly. Um, you know, we, we, we post jobs appropriately. We've interviewed. We've, you know, we've maybe reposted a job, get it down to a second interview of, of finalists uh, because the talent you have in the building, the talent and experience you have in the building means everything. And so it's, it's really important to get the right people first um and then you support those people uh those people grow you help them grow um you develop teacher leaders uh you know having teacher leaders people involved in decision making people involved in running activities athletic programs um you know teachers have to buy in and that's really important to me and i don't want to feel like i don't my goal is to not have teachers feel like i work here i leave at the end of the work day but Mm -hmm. i don't feel like i'm a part of this uh, I try to, you know, I, I want to avoid that if at all possible. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for coming on the show. It was all right. nice to get the perspective of, of a principal, and how they feel, how they see things. All right. When do the ratings come out? I want to know if my, ra- <laughs> I want to know where I stand in the ratings. <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for CNN to get back to me on that. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on the show. Talk to you. See you. Thank you for listening to our podcast and getting an inside look at what it is like to be a principal of a school. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the show and participate in our monthly book club. Visit our website, thetimewin.net, for more information about our book club and each episode. And remember, everyone has a story.